0: You are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Chapter 1. That Second Corinthians chapter one, and we're going to begin reading at verse eighteen. But as God is true, now, brother, that's the strongest oath in the Bible. Let God be true, and every man a liar. Yeah. But as God is true, our word towards you was not yea and nay. I asked a man the other day, I said, Are you a Christian? Well, he said, Yes and no. Isn't that a stupid answer? Now, that meant a good plain no. Are you a Christian? Well, in a way, no. Are you a Christian? Well, in my own way, I think I am. You don't get saved in your own way. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. Amen. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, "...was not yea and nay, but in him was yea." I like that. "...in him was yes." You get in him, you get a yes. You may go to the bank and get a no, but you can go to Jesus and get a yes. "...for all the promises of God in him are yea." I like those yea promises, don't you? I'm not interested in nay and no. I'm interested in yes. And so he said, And in him, amen, under the glory of God by us. Now, he established us with you in Christ, and hath anointed us, is God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. You know... I had to put up $2,500 for a retainer fee for a man that's in jail. I love him. He stayed with us nine months, and then an old charge came up, and we were working it out, but they got him and put him in jail. And because back in his dope days he was a bond jumper, I have got to have $15,000 cash bond. Now, I wouldn't mind putting up 50000 if I had the money, because I know he's been saved, one of my best workers and one of the best men I've ever had. fact is, I, I had a man, a banker, to pick me up last night and uh, took me home, picked me up this morning, carried me back from Richmond Airport. He said, Brother Olaf, I took my brother Jerry down there, Jerry Rodriguez, and I said, Listen, he's one of the finest boys and men and his wife I've ever had as a worker. And he said, Brother Wayne checked him in to the city of refuge when I came. And so Brother Wayne's been up in jail now in Fort Worth, Hard County Jail. And they want to try him for habitual, which means the rest of his life. Now, we're not going to put up with that. I believe the Lord going to set him free, come back to Corpus, and go to work for the Lord. But you don't work in this kind of work without working in the jails and the prisons and the lawyers and the judges. And it's amazing. I said, it's amazing. How many times the judges give them to us now? They know the state system is absolutely nil. It's zero as far as the track record. New and nothing. Crowded, pushed to the walls, and they don't have any room. And so in Corpus Christi, the district attorney, the county attorney, and all the judges, they give me nearly every man I go to court and ask for. One of my superintendents got 50 years in the pen. He's the superintendent of the city refuge right now. And uh, so it's it's amazing to have the confidence of the Judges and the various leaders across this nation, and uh, they give us... We, we have the largest attendance in the city of refuge. An old man, seventy-eight years old, came in the other day. He said, I'm just tired of living for the devil. He said, Somebody help me. Boy, he barely made it. I mean, he's on his last leg. All right, That's right. I'll tell you one thing. He's already praying, and he can't work except sitting down, but he wants to do something. Ah, listen, dear friend. Our field is white. We've got a generation of wrecked Americans, shattered homes and hopes and young people, and so uh, we get a seal. Uh, We get a taste of the um, salvation. He said they're giving you an earnest, see, a down payment. That's a guarantee you're going to finish it up. God will never use a, lose a down payment on anything He put up on. And He's already put a down payment on getting me to heaven, and I know I'm going. You know, that uh, that uh, down payment reminds me. It's, uh, he said it's an earnest, an earnest. And uh, you know, many years ago... and. A lot of y'all look just sort of country to me, and act that way, and I like that. I've been brought up like that. And uh, my, my dad and mother were old-fashioned, didn't have much education, but they had a good deal of regeneration, sanctification, and separation. And they taught their three boys right. And uh, so my dad would say, Son... I'm going to let you take uh, the cotton to gin in the morning, that's Saturday morning. we well, you'd have to finish a bale on Saturday morning and had two bale wagon. I'd get on them, drive those big mules, and go to the gin. Little old boy sitting up there, man, I'm telling you, I was proud as a peacock. I had me a time going to gin. I like to go to gin. I dread taking it, but I like to ride it and go into the gin and then go up in town. My daddy would give me about 15 cents. And that's back when you could buy a hamburger with meat on it for a nickel. (laughs) You could buy a triple-dip ice cream cone for a nickel. You could buy half the town for a quarter, it looked like. I mean, that's back when your money went a long way. But my daddy would say, Now, Lester, I want you to go by, and you've got a bale or two of seed, and I want you to get a hundred pounds of ice. Put it in the wagon, cover it up with them seed, and I want you to come on home and get those, that wagon off the road before dark. I said, yes, sir. And so I got home and I put that old, big old chunk of ice. Me and my brothers would put it in the seed pen. That's back before we had ice boxes, you know. I mean, I've been around here a good long while.
1: <laughs>
0: a lot of you electric refrigerator people, I lived in the old cooler days. Had no old sheet around I lived in a time when maybe you'd drop the milk down in the cistern, you know, down in the underground, keep it kind of cool. Of course, it's kind of bad when you spilled it in the well and so forth. But anyhow, we, uh, we, uh, we'd we get home and my daddy'd say, Sadie, or Sally, he called her, said, Sally, how about making some homemade ice cream? And three boys spoke up and said, That's right, Mama. So we had her outvoted to start with. Four against one. She went in there, and she busted those great, big, red Rhode Island eggs. They'd stand up and look at you. They didn't run nowhere. And every hen we had was married, every one of them. We didn't have an old maid hen on the yard. I mean, them eggs was live. Listen, you put them under an old hen, they'd hatch. You don't have these infertile eggs, huh? And so she'd bust out on how many of them eggs and take that rich Jersey milk with cream. You've never seen so much cream. She'd fire up that old coal oil stove, and she'd fix that cream and let it cool, and she'd say, boys, y'all go get the ice and get ready to turn the freezer. One gallon and a half, not a quart. But a gallon and a half. And so we'd run out there, you know. Then we'd chip up the ice and out deal and turn it. And I'd have to set on the freezer. I had the coal sakes. Old toe sack on top of it, you know. And I'd sit there. I didn't weigh it 80 pounds. I'd sit there, you know, and they'd turn that freezer and directly they'd get to turning around. And they'd say, Lester, hold it down! I said, I got all I got on it now, boy. But And finally, Edel would turn a while, and Melvin would turn a while, and Edel, Mama, I believe it's ready! And here, I'm talking about an earnest. And so Mama would come a-walking out there, you know, with a little drying towel, and a spoon, and a little water, and she'd uh, kinda, kinda wash it off at the top, you know, and she'd get ready, and she was so careful, you know, as before ice cream salt was invented. We just had plain old salts, you know. And while she was doing that, I made a wild circle through the house and cut through the uh, dining room on one wheel and picked up a great big goblet. You, remember, you see those old goblets, you remember? Sit down and they big. I'm not talking about a little bitty teen-eights pink, pink, glasses. I, I picked up a goblet and I got me a spoon and I went out there and I was playing a little tune, in the, you know. And I said, Mama, I'm ready. And she'd look at me. And she just so slow. She just... I I, never was that slow. She just... Finally, she picked it up and took that top off of it and it was just all curled up. Beautiful golden ice cream. And looked like it was waving at me. You know. And I said, I said, Mama, I said, Mama, here's my goblet. I mean, get some of it off of the top there. It's about to run over. I hadn't... And she looked up at me and said, Sonny boy, we're going to let it sit a while. (laughs) Now really, if I'd ever doubted my mama's salvation, I'd have done it right. I said, Mama? No, she said, What are we going to do, Sonny? Boy, we're going to take the dasher out. Then we're going to let it set a while. And she saw how disappointed I was. And she said, when you pick cotton all the week and sweat out all the water you can drink, and you're just so hungry for ice cream, and yet we got a gallon and a half and I can't get into it. And I wasn't one of these kinds to run over my mama either. I never would have got over that if my dad had come walking up. Now, she said, but I tell you what, I'm going to let you all lick the dasher. Man, listen, she pulled that old dasher out, a gallon and a half dasher, about like, and cream was stacked all over it. And we took three spoons, Melvin, an Edel and Lester, and talk about perpetual motion. Man, I, we went up and down that thing, listen, and, and, you know what that was? That was an earnest. That was just a little taste because we knew we had a gallon and a half coming a little later. Brother, when it got saved, it got an earnest. And I've been enjoying that earnest for over 50 years. And one of these days, we're going to open the whole freezer. You wait and say. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what he said here. Who hath sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our heart. Now, notice he gave it in the heart. Moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul, that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy." For by faith you stand. By faith you stand. I wonder how many people are going to stand in the next ten years. Did I tell you when I was here the last time that I believe, and I still believe it, we're in the fourth quarter, it's the fourth down, we do not have ten to go, and I know we're in the end zone. I do not believe that America is going to be saved. I believe she's too wicked. I believe when we licensed liquor and turned out a generation of drunkards, when we began to kill the babies and turn the sodomites loose, I think we wound America up right there. If God were to spare America, it will be the first nation in the history of the world that ever was spared that was as wicked as we are. You say, aren't we a Christian nation? That's a joke. There's no Christian music unless you go to a church like this. And and there's not any Christian homes today. There's not any Christian schools today to mount to anything. I mean, the public school system is rotten as the devil himself. They teach evolution and humanism in the school. They teach more sin than to do anything else in our schools across this country. Violence and bloodshed right down here. At Greenville is where the teacher heard a knock, went to the door, and said to the class, excuse me, we'll be back. He never did come back. He fell dead right outside the door when a little girl got through stabbing him. That's in the public school system. they talking about phasing out the busing down in Texas, I said, no, phase out the school. God never did tell the state to educate our children. Never did. I tell you who ought to educate the children. That's the mothers and daddies and the pastor. Why? Right. They know the truth. Let the mother and daddy be the Christian. You got the baby first. God gave the baby to you. Did give the baby to state. The state never has had a baby. No more than a homosexual has a baby. Put it down, brother. Children belong to their parents, and the parents are gonna give them the God. gum. Bible said, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Amen. Every parent supposed to be in the Lord. You're not fit to have a child if you're not saved. You ought to be kind enough, somehow or another, not to even get married till you get saved. Amen. You ought not treat a little girl in an ugly way. If you're not saved, you say, I'm getting mad, all right? Get saved and you'll get glad.
1: Amen. You live in the
0: land of Lodibar where I live with crippled and You live in the land of Gadara with the Gadarene demoniacs that I see come into our homes and watch them and see what's happened to them. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not just jabbering about something. We're working with them all the time. Tonight, when I hit that ground at midnight, I'll guarantee you there will be desperate souls on that farm tonight. There will be people longing for rest. On that farm tonight, people that have just come in, three Indians will be coming in. It'll be a brand new world. No television, no rock and roll, no tobacco, and uh, no felt. I mean, it's a place. It's a near to heaven. People have been trying to get me to go to Holy Land. I said, Fiddle, I live in it.
1: I'm care
0: of been where he has been. I like to be where he is. Now let me give you another verse and you'll find out directly what I'm preaching on. Chapter five, Second Corinthians. For we know, didn't say we guess or suppose or presume or think, we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were designed, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Now skip to verse 7. Now he said we know that we're on our way to heaven. We have a building of God not made with hands. Yeah. Eternal. You remember Abraham? We'll be with him in a little bit. Abraham yeah. said to the fellows over in the Ur of Chaldees, he said, Boys, I'm packing up and pulling out. They said, yeah. Where are you going? He said, I don't know. No. What are you looking for in here? He said, I'm looking for a city. Yeah. Well, he said, Won't you stay here in this great city, man? You're rich and you're thriving and have. No, he said, I'm looking for a city that half foundations, whose building us God. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Land is. Charlotte, Greensboro, Winston-Salem, New York, Washington, they're not here to stay. The cities are going to pass on and pass out and pass under. Now, verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, with that, let me give you this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Romans chapter 14 and the last verse said, Anything that is not of faith is sin. You know, that could be a sin besides cigarettes, smoking, liquor, drinking, dope-taking, and stealing, and robbing, and killing, and shooting. It could be just the sin of not living by faith. When you do not live by faith, you dishonor God, and you cannot let God do His work. He said He could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. I believe that's the meaning of un in the Bible, is unbelief. The disciples, you remember when they took a walk with Jesus, Peter, James, and John, down on Mount Transfiguration, and a couple of astronauts come in by the name of Moses and Elijah, and they had a great time. The father said, This is my son. You better hear him. And Peter said, Well, we better be three tabernacle, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for Jesus. And Moses and Elijah said, Forget ours. We're heading for home. We don't want to be down here no more. <laughs> we just wanted to come to see about the promissory note we went to heaven on. We just want to know if he's heading on to the cross. And Jesus said, go back and tell all them that went to heaven on the credit, I'm going on to calvary." Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And so Moses and Elijah, they pulled right on out. I mean, they, just, they had them a launching pad, but they didn't have to have any oxygen. See, they took on backwards. Well, they walked down, came down to the camp, and they found a little epileptic boy down there, and he was in a bad shape. And they brought him to the disciples and said uh, they, they just couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And Jesus said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? Bring him to me. Yeah. They brought that little old crippled boy to Jesus, and the little left epileptic boy had charge. And have you ever thought about it? said he fell in the fire and he fell in the water. Don't you man have a lot of scars on him? Would it strain your imagination if I told you tonight I believe when Jesus healed him, he probably took all them scars on him. Yeah. He popped in a bunch of plastic surgery and just fixed him where you... I mean, he said, Daddy, can you look at that? I don't hear any scar left. And he said, No, you've been healed completely. Jesus did a good job. You shall not believe that. You may go to hell for not believing it. <laughs> Brother, don't you tell me Jesus didn't heal him. I know he healed him. little boy never had another spell the rest of his life. Now, the disciples did something. They came out to a corner and said, Now, we've got a question. Whatever habit you got that ought to be done away with, whether it's health, whether it's your mind, or whether it's your money or pocketbook or whatever it may be. And so all of my people are joining me in praying and fasting one meal and reading the Bible and trusting the Lord. And when I walked out of the studio after making the message, something said, I want your burden. I want your burden. He said... Because of your unbelief, howbeit this boy, not out but by prayer, and fasting. Now, then, I want to give you a message I've not brought to you before. On turn to the book of Habakkuk, I'll, and that'll show you what I'm talking about. Habakkuk, I'm preaching on the most marvelous gift that God ever gave me. It was the gift of faith. God gave me faith. Now there are two things. There are two things that everybody has the same amount of. Everybody. Now, this doesn't encourage you tonight. You don't have to be a preacher. But I believe God gives everybody the same amount of saving grace. And it takes as much grace to save a little child as it takes to save an old sinner. Now, it, it takes as much of the blood of Christ to save a little seven year old sweet girl as it does to save an old wore out drunkard. You say, How much blood does it take? All of it. All of it. He gave his life. That was all of it. You know, it'd be interesting if you ever figured out who killed Jesus. You'd say, well, that bunch of folks at Nail no, they didn't. If they could have killed him, they'd have kept him dead. You'd say, well, how did he die? If I could say it lovingly and reverently, he made himself die. He died by his own word. I believe he had to. There wasn't anybody who could kill him. You can't kill God. And I believe he came to the place when everything, when he said, It's finished! Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. I think he said to himself, Now, die. Quit breathing right now. And he said, If I lay down my life of my own accord, I'll take it up again. And so he did. Now then, in Habakkuk, beginning at verse, and Uh, That's page 1372 in my Bible. I don't know what it is in yours, but it's back to chapter 2, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. I will stand upon my watch, I will set me upon the tower, I will watch to see what he shall say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry. Wait for it because it will come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul shall be lifted up. Uh, is not. Uh, behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. But the just shall live by faith. I said. That's my text tonight. Now I could go to Romans. The just shall live by faith. I could go to Galatians. The just shall live by faith. I could go to Hebrews ten thirty eight. And now the just shall live by faith. Folks, that's the theme of the entire Christian life in the Bible, the just shall live by faith. You know what? That changed Martin Luther's life. Martin Luther was a Catholic tangled up in religion. He was climbing up the stairs trying to do penance, get God the good humor with him, and it dawned on him, now the just shall live by faith. Boy, he jumped off his knees, wrote his 97 theses, and and pinned it on the Pope's door and said, I won't be showing up for confession anymore. I mean, I hit the freeway. Oh, listen. Now the just shall live by. Savonarola, that great Christian of another day. You know, I really didn't know, and, 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 and my mind was refreshed. Did you know that his church burned him at the stake because of what he preached? Brother, now that's some church, wasn't it? The greatest man they'd ever known, but because of his drastic preaching, they said, we've got to get rid of it. And Brother Richard, I going to tell something to you. Do you know when Jesus came back to his hometown, and they said, you going to preach for us this next Saturday morning? He said, yes, sir. When he went in there, he preached nothing but unsavedly. And he, when he got through preaching, every one of them was still unsaved. Did you know that? You had to know it. The Bible said, all of them, every one of them, rose up against him yeah. and thrust him out to the brow of the hill and said, now somebody, shove him over and break his neck. What are we going to do? Kill God. That's it. That's what the world thinks about God. Yeah. Are you listening? You know the reason the Holy Spirit hadn't been crucified? They can't get a hold of it. You know why? You know why they fought, Brother Olaf? It's not because I'm so great, little old cloud hopper like me that came off of the farm and nobody's looking for me and didn't have any sense and didn't have any talent or personality nothing else. Didn't have any health. Didn't have any money. Didn't have anything. You know who they're jumping on? They're not jumping on. Lester. they're jumping on the Holy Spirit. Anyway. Yeah. I'd be a fool to stand here tonight and say that I've built up a roll-off kingdom. I've built five, seven hundred, and we've got millions. Uh-uh. The Holy Spirit did it. This old book did it, brother. I've, my mama got me in trouble when she gave me a King James verse. That's her old sweet memory. I'm glad she did. Oh, listen. I tell you, that old book. Has given me more trouble than any book I ever read in my life, and I love it more than any other book, and don't read nothing but this book. That's all it does. Are you listening? I'm not gonna have any of these high breed or high bred, including Jerry Falwell's. That's right. I'm gonna stay with this one. Don't ever tackle what I've tackled, and don't ever try to work with these girls and boys and men and women unless you got this book right here need to rewrite it. We need to reread it. Yeah. Brother, if you've got a bunch of that junk, throw it away and get you one of these and stay it. That's right. Folks, listen, don't you know this? Never hear me now, and I'm just telling you something sweet and good. And I love everybody, but I'm not going to put up with these little old new Bibles that got out. Revised Standard Version and good news for modern man and the living Bible for dead people. Brother, you would want that. Let's pay with this book! There's never, hear me, there's never been a revival in the history of the world come out of any book except this one. These new Bibles they got out, they're bearing no fruit. No soul. And they're sponsored by nothing but the stinking modernists. Yeah. Mr. Nelson, he said, you know, it took, get it. He, and 40 people wrote the Bible. It took them 1,600 years. The first man that wrote the Bible, the book of Mo, he never did see the man that wrote the last book, and yet all of it fit right in, made a tremendous book. Now then, they said it took 130 scholars to revive. The book. I'm getting tired of talking about the mistakes of the King James Version. I can't find none. I've been I've been walking through this for 50 years, and I've never found anything wrong with it in my life. And if you have, I think you're a liar. Boy, I tell you what, I'm in my climate tonight. I think I'm gonna be on the right here. Y'all are right. I mean, y'all are believing right. you got the right book, and God will bless you. And so I just want... Now then, I want to give the story tonight of a man and give you something that's blessed my soul for the last six months of my life more than any other revelation I've ever had in my life. There was a man in the Old Testament. I've already told you. His name? Abraham. He was called the man of faith. The Father of the Faithful and the Friend of God. That's a good title, isn't it? I'd like to be a friend of God, wouldn't you? I know He's my friend. I'd like to be His friend. And He said, you're my friends if you do what I tell you to do. And so, one day, God called him and said, Now, Abraham... I want you to leave her of the Chaldees and leave all your kin folks behind. And I want you to go to a place I'd have to show you after you get out there. And he said, I'm going to build a great nation, and your descendants and your children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, they're going to be more than the sand of the sea from jute and more than the stars of the sky. He said, You're gonna have one more big family. And so Abraham said to Sarah, Honey, you better get to the park, and we're pulling out. Well she could have said, Well, honey, where are we going? She said, I don't know, but we're going. Now, that's faith, isn't it? I know the world it foolishness, but that's faith. And so they, they pulled out, and they got out there, and they took a relative. They weren't supposed to. took a lot with them. Lot said, Uncle Abraham, I believe I'll go with you. I want, I, you know, I want to go sightseeing. Man, I'd like to go out and explore the universe. I'd go with you. And so Abraham said, all right. So he got out there, and of course God began to bless him, and the cows began to have calves, and the sheep, and the oxen, and everything began to multiply. And one day, uh, Lot come running in and said, Uncle Abraham, we've got trouble on our hands. He said, what's trouble, son? He said, our cowboys are fighting. He said, what? He said, they're out there fighting. Man, we got so many cattle. I'm telling you, I guess the grass is getting a little short, water running low or something. And he said, What do you think we better do, son? He said, Well, we better divide up. He said, Where do you want to go? And so, look at old Lot now. He's the type of the world. He shaved his eyes and looked way down in Jordan Valley and the grass is waving at him and said, Come on down here. He said, Uncle Abraham, I believe I like that grass down in Jordan Valley. And so he chose grass and Uncle Abraham stayed with grace. That's the difference right there, boys. This has been the generation of grass, hasn't it? They even smoke it, huh? Boy, this is the grassiest bunch I've ever seen in my life. And so, uh, old Lot pulled out and then pitched his tent toward Sodom, wound up in and Sodom, and he became, I guess, the mayor because he sat in the gate of the city, and the Sodomites began to take over. Oh, brother. Man, one day, and some heavenly company came down and and uh, they visited Abraham first. They yeah. came up there and said, Abraham, we just want to visit with you. he said, I'm delighted to have you. He said, uh, they said, Where is him? Where's Sarah? Abraham said, Where do you think she is? Down at Bridge Club, she's in there in the tent. She's no political rally. She's not a pistol packing sheriff or policeman. She hadn't joined the service to live in the in the barracks with a bunch of knuckleheads. Well, she's in there where she's wrong. She's taking care of her. She's probably churning butter. Man, they said, Well, I want to tell you one thing. He said, "Uh, We're going to have, uh, we're going on down here, and finally pulled out. But they came back and told him, You know, said, We're going to have to go down there, and we're on an arson trip. Hmm? God said, I want you all to sit down and burn that thing up. You remember that? Can you imagine God's angels? coming down to set set cities on fire, but they did. But you remember when the angels got down there and they they were going to warn, did you know that the sodomites came that night and wanted to rape the men? They once said, bring the men out. Lot did the lowest thing he ever did in his life when he offered his two little girls and never had a date. That shows you what you can do when you get off on grass. You say, what do you mean, business, money, pleasure? I... America is a money lover and a pleasure lover. we got a flock of people today. they got their money right now in the money market. And you're going to lose it. You wait and see. I do, I, I do not give you over five years for any sort of economy in this country. We're too wicked, and God is going to judge America with famine, pestilence, and war, that's what he's always used. And that's coming to America. And I believe I can say, as far as I'm concerned, what I see in the Bible, America has won her last war. She'll never win another war. I don't think anybody will win another war except Jesus. And he's going to fight it with the sword of his Spirit, the Word. Same thing he used on the devil. You remember that? The devil came down to the baptismal service. Jesus said, John, how about let's have baptism or service? He said, I'm delighted. I, I sure be glad you baptized me. He said, no, you're going to baptize me. Well, he said, I have need to be baptized of you. And Jesus said, it behooves me to fulfill all righteousness. And John said, if well, you put it like that, I'm ready. Went out there and baptized him. And Jesus was there, and the Father said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then here come the Holy Spirit down and set it on Jesus, and then when he walked out of the baptistry, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then the devil showed up. Well, that booger never misses a service, does it? And so uh, he said, uh, "I'd like to meet you," and so he set the time and the place, went out in the wilderness, and Jesus hit him. Get it? He hit him three licks with the King James version. Yeah! You'd say, can you prove it? Yes, sir. He was the King James Version. If he wasn't, then who was? In the beginning was the Word. How many words? And the Word? God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That must have been Jesus. Folks, God never had had but one Word. He, he not only wrote it, He protected it. We still got it. There's not a man alive today that can walk across our campus and talk to all the people that are there and say that this book is not God's Word because they've been saved by listening to this Word. That's all we have. We memorize it by the chapter. We don't memorize it by the verse. And, and when you get it in your heart, the Bible said, I will not sin against God. So in the only answer there is. And mothers and dads, if I could get you all to memorize, and young people, one chapter every 30 days, it revolutionize your life. You think of 12 chapters a year, 5 years, 60 chapters, 10 years, 120 chapters, think of it. Brother... It'd make you one of the greatest Christians because that's God's Word. It's a living Word. It's a healing Word. Brother, that's what the sin You remember that? He said, speak the Word only. I don't need you to come. I just need your Word. God said, I set my Word above my name. See? That's it. All right. Now then, let's go back over here. Brother Abraham got a call one day. Old Lot got captured, and a bunch of old heathen kings Come over there and got him, boy. Got Mr. Lot and Miss Lot and all the little Lots and everything else. They hauled them off. they gone. Boy, here comes a runner up there, you know. Boy, he was a-running. He came up there said, Mr. Abraham, Mr. Abraham, Mr. Abraham. Oh, something happened down yonder. said, well, tell me what it is, boy. What's, what's going on? Well, he said that they've captured Lot. They got him. They got him. They got, they got the whole family. I mean, listen, they just looted and rooted, and they did this, and they got him. he He's gone. Now then, are you listening? I'm talking about faith tonight. Will faith make a fighter? Is it right for faith to fight? Do you think faith makes a sissy out of anybody? Now wait a minute. Abraham could have said with a pious look and um, tongue in cheek, if you happen to see him, tell him Uncle Abraham will be praying for him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He could have
0: said, well, you just tell dear Lot, my dear nephew, that I'm behind him all the way. Well, mm. I've heard that so many times. I've gotten more standing ovations than probably any preacher in America that's alive right now. And when they get through with standing ovations, and I appreciate it, I love it, but I said, you know, I'd rather have the donation than the ovation. Yeah. I can't build no dormitories with ovations. I'm just trying to be practical about this thing. I want to help somebody. Brother Galloway, he's one of, the, one of the finest missionary pilots alive today. I gave him an airplane. I thought I was going to get me another one, you know, and nothing ever happens, you see, but I'm glad you got it. And he about wore the thing out and they overhauled in it and I've got to try to help him get the thing out here and win another month or two? Yes, sir. But listen, can you imagine how many times he's crossed the water in a single-engine airplane? Now the just shall fly by (laughs) faith. Oh, what a friend to the missionaries this missionary is right here. I've asked the Lord to let me do more for our missionaries this year than I've ever done before. God's going to answer that prayer. I know He is. Listen, Abraham, he, he must have rung the cowbell. Man, 316 hillbillies come a running up to the house and said, What in the world's going on? He said, Boy, get you a hoe handle, crowbar, stick, anything. Man, we've got to go fight. Don't you imagine maybe one of those fellows said, Well, couldn't we just pray and believe? Yeah, he said, and fight. <laughs> Amen, I like that. I, I'm, I'm going to give you something tonight, and then I'm going to quit here in a little while. Listen. So they took off down there. I mean, you know they didn't have any modern weapons or nothing. They run into a bunch of old kings and whipped the daylights out of them. I mean, they picked up old lost, scared to death, and his family and little old children, and said, now let's go home, boy. Come on back. You'd have been a lot better off if you stayed up there on the instead of hitting the grass. Well, they got back over there, you know, and that bunch of sodomites came, the mayor and whatever they had, you know, the leaders and the treasurer, and said, Well, we're ready now to write your check. He said, Write my what? Amen. Abraham looked at him and said, You couldn't give me a shoestring for them busted shoes I'm wearing. Uh, you see this old toy shirt I got on? You couldn't give me a thread to patch that. I don't want nothing you got hanging on me. Amen. I'm not a sodomite. I'm heading back for the hills. God will take care of me. I belong to him. You don't pay his bills. He pays them himself. I'm a living by faith and praise God for the privilege. The Bible said he believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. About that time the Lord come walking up to him and said, I'm thy exceeding great reward and I'm your shield. I'll protect you. I'm not going to be afraid. You need to be afraid of those kings coming to make their day. Now, here's what I'm going to give you. Hebrews chapter 7, I'm through with the message. Hebrews, keep everything quiet now for me while I'm closing the message. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7. This is the most blessed thing I've ever seen. I met a mystery man many years ago. I never did have it figured out. Never did have the revelation. Never did know. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, Priest of the Most High made Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being my interpretation, king of righteousness, after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, made like unto the Son of God, divided the priest continually. And there's four there's eight great characteristics right there of Melchizedek. Didn't have a mother, didn't have a daddy. He uh, had no beginning of days, had no end of days. He was a king of righteousness. He was a king of peace, made like the Son of God, and a priest continually. You say, who in the world could that be? Nobody but Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. I mean, put her down. And Jesus, I believe, saw the fight and said, Father, I'm going down to visit with him. And he met him on the return from the slaughter and blessed him. God endorses the right kind of a fight, boys. I believe that I'm standing tonight in a sense where Abraham stood after the slaughter of the fight of eight long years. And Jesus has come down to bless me and to bless the work more than it's ever been blessed. More people are being saved. Hundreds come to the altar. More liberty. Greatest place on this earth to preach is in the church I pastor in Corpus Christi. The greatest response I've ever known in my life, I'm saying, I'm just simply saying, God blesses us when we take the right kind of a stand and stay with this book right here. Brothers, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame But wholly lean on Jesus' name. Folks, His way is the best way. His way is the only way. Would you trust Him tonight? Receive Him as your personal Savior. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the Bible said, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Jesus is standing, your heart's door, standing in Knocking, he's not before. This is the question that you face once more. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? He'll do with you tomorrow what you do with him today. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knbbc.com for Christian music you can trust.